Well, hello everyone. This is a data-driven Formula One with Patrick Hansen, Ghana Pagrebna. Hello, Ghana. Hello, everybody listening or watching us. Hi, Patrick. Um, today we're talking about uh, the third race of uh, this season, which is Portugal. Right. Uh, Portugal. The Portuguese uh, race 2021. 2021, exactly. So, um, yeah, quite an, quite interesting build up to the race, I would, uh, I would say, but probably the result is not so Mm -hmm. I mean, here we have everything uh, as, as the final results and uh, honestly not really uh, interesting. Uh, no surprises here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No surprises, not exciting. Uh, I mean, uh, if we think about the last years, uh, I think the most uh, positive surprise is that McLaren established uh, itself again under the top teams. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, probably um, this uh, this has to do with their partnership with Mercedes. Yeah. Um, um, so that's that that was quite a quite a good choice in the past for them, and um, it proves to be a good good choice now. Um, yeah, and um, essentially, yeah, in, in terms of um, Mercedes dominance, uh, no surprises uh, in Portugal. Uh, so in uh, in uh, in in Italy, we saw some kind of deviation from there, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So in the third race in Portugal, basically, yeah, Mercedes uh, with both drivers on podium, uh, um, essentially was uh, uh, the winning team. But um, mm -hmm. I guess uh, one of the interesting things that happened in the build up is um, uh, the kind of rivalry between. Uh, Hamilton and Bottas uh, that we saw and kind of um, the you know the in the in the build-up to the race the situation didn't look so good for Lewis Hamilton but um, in the end <laughs> as we, as we yes. saw he won the race so so that was uh, that, that was the interesting part um, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that later in the season we will see, well, um, I guess more competitive um, uh, drives from at least from Red Bull, McLaren, and Ferrari. Um, mm -hmm. Not sure about others, but uh, yeah, I mean that 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 would be a good thing to to actually see. Yeah, and uh, as you spoke about the dominance uh, dominance of Mercedes, I think it, it's le uh, the team is less. Dominant than all the last years. Yes, yeah, now the, the battle between uh, Verstappen and uh, Hamilton, and uh, meaning it's it's uh, we saw them on the first two places, and the second Mercedes driver uh, Bottas has problems to keep up with the first Red Bull driver. So something what we not saw that much in the past uh, years. Yeah, but nevertheless, I think uh, Bottas had a very nice uh, built up to the race, right? Yeah. And then the Saturday qualifying was very good for him. So it's very strange. Um, I mean, the, this this result is kind of not so expected. Uh, not in the team, uh, kind of not not for the team standing, but more for the driver standing. Um, mm -hmm. But nevertheless, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree. I agree with you, Patrick. There that I mean, this this season is probably. Uh, more exciting than last season when this kind of was it kind of was obvious <laughs> what was going to happen the whole season uh, with Mercedes uh, producing much faster uh, car than anybody else. So yeah, let's uh, let's hope that that we will see uh, like yeah more interesting drives uh, from other teams, especially mm -hmm. from Red Bull. Um, but uh, I'm I'm also hoping for McLaren and Ferrari to show some good <laughs> good competition as well. And uh, yeah, also I guess um, uh, hands up to Honda who you know um, managed to produce very good uh, partnership with Red Bull this season. So that's yes, that's also and, 
and uh, to speak a little bit more about Honda and uh, something what I uh, recognized um, uh, in this uh, season and this in opposite to the uh, earlier years, uh, also in opposite to 2020, you see now Honda, the Honda name quite uh, big on the two cars, on, on the wings. Uh, I mean, last year, you remember, it was um, the uh, Red Bull uh, Aston Martin. So you saw more the Aston Martin uh, logo on the Red Bull than uh, the uh, Honda logo. Mm -hmm. So if you're not that involved into a Formula One, you may thought that the car included an Aston Martin engine and not the Honda one. So this year, it seems that Honda... They had been quite optimistic uh, before the year and uh, due to this, they have now the big uh, Honda logo. So they are, uh, they are involved um, not only as the um, provider for the engine, but also some kind of this you see also in this year's uh, officially names. So uh, we have uh, officially the Red Bull Racing Honda team and the uh, Scuderia Alpha Tauri Honda. So Honda is now an official name uh, of the team. And this is something in opposite to last year. So it's, it seems even if it's officially the last year of the Honda involvement, as they officially will uh, leave Formula One, uh, this as they need uh, the Formula One budget to invest more in their electric uh, cars due to the uh, changed uh, markets. But it seems they've been quite uh, optimistic in uh, coming into the season, uh, also from the management. And it's not that they just uh, stay uh, because they still have the contract, but they're really motivated for this uh, last uh, year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are these uh, yellow highlights that we have on the screen? If, if you're watching us on, on, uh, yes. on YouTube. There is a, a table that uh, Patrick produced. It looks really cool, uh, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> okay, um, uh, this is a little graphic I did because uh, one of, uh, uh, as a driver in a Formula One team, the first person you have to uh, beat uh, is your colleague because this is the person who should uh, use the same material uh, as you, the same car. Uh, uh, part of the same team. Of course, there are often uh, differences in, in the setups, even especially if there's an aerodynamic uh, update. Uh, I think uh, in the Aston Martin team, uh, Lance Troll <coughs> already uh, used the new aerodynamic update in Portugal and uh, Sebastian Vettel will only get this in the next uh, race. So they're not completely the same cars, but more or less the same cars. So I thought it's a good... Uh, uh, good idea to look a little bit uh, how it's been the team duels uh, doing so far in the first uh, three uh, races. And uh, I marked here in yellow uh, the new drivers. So the one mm -hmm. who came uh, newly into the team. And uh, and I mean, the, the, the reason why we have statistics is to get uh, knowledge out of this information. Quite interesting uh, for me is, uh, if you see us here on uh, YouTube, is that none of the new drivers uh, uh, is winning the actual uh, team duels. And uh, independent, uh, if it's a newcomer, as uh, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, Nicolas Latifi, uh, or a more experienced uh, driver as uh, the world champions, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel or also Daniel Ricciardo. Um, none of them really uh, uh, could beat um, their experienced uh, colleagues. Maybe uh, Ricciardo is still the best of them as uh, he has a positive um, uh, uh, results, at least for the qualification where he had been uh, twice faster than Lando Norris. But uh, in the race, uh, Lando Norris had been three times uh, on a better position than Daniel Ricciardo. Of course, these are still uh, the first three uh, races, so it's not that uh, um, statistic relevant number yet. But uh, I think it's a relevant, uh, or it's, it's a first uh, tendency to see that it's quite difficult in 2020 uh, to come into a new team and maybe not maybe, I'm, I'm sure it's more difficult uh, than in the 1950s or 1960s uh, where you changed the cars and uh, you had been already fast since the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting. Well, I guess uh, um, what what is uh, even more interesting is this uh, the Haas team that that you've uh, highlighted there with two new drivers. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, uh, I, uh, one of them should have... should emerge as a as a lead by the end of the season, I guess. Yes, uh, I mean that. And uh, I marked here the Haas team as it's the only uh, team with two um, new drivers. And uh, having two new drivers, uh, if we conclude the results from the other teams, uh, we may think that both of them uh, are are struggling to adapt themselves. And this uh, uh, may also be one of the reasons why the Haas team is uh, relatively at the end at the races right at the moment, besides other um, topics, of course, but they have two new drivers and um, none of them has the experience uh, uh, to develop uh, the the team a little bit uh, faster. Uh, Maybe not surprising uh, that uh, Mick Schumacher uh, seems to be the faster uh, of the two, as I assume uh, Mick Schumacher is not uh, a paid driver. Uh, for Haas, or at least he's not directly paying. I mean, he comes from the Ferrari uh, Drivers Academy. So I think uh, his seat is uh, supported by uh, Ferrari and Mm -hmm. somehow included into the uh, contracts which Ferrari has with Haas being their provider, not only for the engine itself, but also other parts of the car. Yeah, and uh, we saw uh, quite a kind of basic mistake from Nikita Mazep in this uh, race, right? When he ignored the blue flags and was basically penalized by the stewards for this. And that also is uh, kind of an indication that he's probably less prepared. Although, I mean, um, I guess anybody can make a stupid mistake, so we shouldn't make conclusion from just one error but still i think this is a pretty basic um, error that uh, is um, i mean any experienced driver would uh, would be very unlikely to make um, and uh, yeah so so yeah i was quite uh, quite surprised to see that type of mistake yeah i mean uh, we may conclude that uh, um, nikita masepin is particularly driving uh, at Haas because he uh, he brings uh, the sponsor money from Ural Kali, which explains that we have here a US car painted in the Russian colors, which uh, I mean, which was not only uh, positively perceived uh, by, the, by, by the fans. Uh, and of course, if we look a little bit at uh, politics, if we see the... Uh, Speaking about uh, Russian influence... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So if if you see that uh, the relations between the U.S. and Russia on a political level is not that uh, positive right at the moment, uh, I mean this brings also other pressures for us. I mean, as a typical U.S. teams, it's difficult to, to let's say to create a U.S. fan base uh, for yourself if you are. Uh, if you're uh, starting in the colors uh, uh, of the country, which you're not directly in a friendly relationship right at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and uh, besides Haas, I mean, the, uh, the other team, which is still uh, relatively at the end, uh, William Racing. So these are the, let me see, I think this may be the only two teams uh, which uh, have a paid uh, driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, because also Nicolas Latifi uh, from Canada, uh, his father has a quite successful uh, company. And I, if I'm correct, uh, his father has also directly invested into the McLaren team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, inter- yeah, very interesting. I'm, I'm just still looking at the stable. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I wonder how this all will unravel during the season. And um, yeah, I guess um, so. It it kind of um, uh, is consistent with uh, with the results that we found with uh, Amanda Goodall when mm-hmm. a rookie driver kind of is doing generally um, just as good or even better than the experienced yeah. driver. 
uh, when you have uh, a team principal that has previous racing experience. Yeah, so I wonder whether that's, um, yeah, I wonder how this, this kind of historically uh, played out, whether that's true uh, in general. Um, mm -hmm. So all, um, uh, you, you know, if we look throughout the history of Formula One. Um, but yeah, also it would be interesting to see what happens by the end of the season. Exactly. I think uh, we will have a focus on this to see how this develop. Of course, uh, uh, important that we not only uh, look at the information on the data, but also um, try to have our conclusions. The reason why uh, we have this uh, this year, uh, as you know, uh, the 2021 cars, they are technically quite uh, similar to 2020. So the established driver uh, didn't have the need to learn that much uh, from a new car, but can use practically a lot of the experience from the 2020 um, season. Uh, besides this, we have quite strict uh, testing limitation. This in place, as you may imagine, uh, to reduce uh, budgets and uh, may uh, give the opportunity also for smaller teams as uh, Haas or Williams to uh, compete. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, it seems to backfire a little bit as it's very difficult for the new uh, driver to become uh, 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 a real uh, part of the team and uh, perform on the expected uh, higher level. Uh, just, uh, I looked a little bit at the, uh, at the regulations. So uh, we had uh, only uh, two separate pre-season tests. This had been uh, two tests uh, for each had uh, four days. And another limitation, it only had been allowed to use one car. So it's not that, uh, uh, the, that uh, each driver could have uh, four days uh, testing, but you had to share the car. So maybe it was in reality only uh, two days testing uh, for each driver. Uh, up to that, some, um, some of the teams gave also the opportunity for their testing uh, driver uh, to have half day testing or one day testing, which is important because the uh, testing driver, it's more uh, involved into the uh, technical development uh, of the car and also uh, maybe using the simulator and uh, has to understand how the 2020 physical car is doing uh, to interpret the uh, results uh, from the simulator. So, so here the physical and uh, the virtual world uh, have to work together because my testing driver who, who uh, supports the, with the setup of the car maybe uh, Monday to Friday uh, using the simulator, but to understand, have a feeling uh, how real to the, to the physical also this uh, test driver must uh, spend some days inside the real 2021 car. Yes, yes, it's, um, I guess it is a tough, uh, a tough testing uh, schedule. So I wonder how they cope uh, considering how much testing you could do in the past. But um, yeah, I guess uh, that also uh, that also gives some as well. We assume that that should give an upper hand to an experienced driver, but again, that's not necessarily so, right? It depends how adaptable you are, uh, exactly. rather than how maybe how experienced uh, you are. And I think your table that uh, you just showed. Uh, Patrick just kind of highlights that maybe adaptability is more important than experience here. Which is... exactly. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this uh, nicely aligns to a topic which we discussed various times uh, in our data-driven uh, F1 um, episodes uh, to where we discuss uh, who is the best Formula One driver of uh, all time. And we see... And for example, if we see somebody as Ayrton Senna, maybe even more uh, extremely Michael Schumacher, they not only had been the best because of their talent, but also uh, about their, uh, their work. I mean, Michael Schumacher, I, I remember he spent practically uh, Monday to Friday the whole days in Fiorano and testing, testing, testing. So this is the one important reason why he became so uh, dominant and 
now in 2021, this is maybe a skill uh, which is less important because there is no possibility of testing. And as you pointed out, adaptability may be much more important uh, today to win the championship. Right. Well, I mean, um, I guess uh, in also in, um, so we do have uh, um, uh, a special on um, kind of e various e-driving and uh, uh, virtual reality driving and all that kind of stuff. And there we see kind of how how we have good drivers, but because they're stuck, for example, in uh, teams that are not so fast, yep. uh, maybe they just don't have a chance to show their skill. Like, you know, uh, we know, um, uh, for example, in Williams, right? And then in other teams that are kind of in the uh, at the bottom of the grid at the moment. So yeah, it's um, it's an interesting question. The time will tell. Exactly. So let, let's say uh, here we have uh, what we call in, in science, uh, uh, we have uh, data, the first the results from the, the first three uh, Grand Prix. Uh, and due to this, we have a theory that maybe also due to testing limitations, it's uh, more difficult uh, for a new one to get into the car. But let's say uh, the next, uh, the rest of the season uh, may confirm or disconfirm our theory, which we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, drivers. Um, so, in the, yeah, on driver's side, we have a little bit of a, yeah, a little more interesting picture. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, very unfortunate race for Kimi Raikkonen, who basically just completed one lap and had a collision. And that's why we had uh, also um, a safety car that came out and basically for the first five laps, we we can essentially disregard the results because they're not very meaningful. Exactly. Um, and uh, and uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I think uh, if you see in the statistics, uh, Alfa Romeo had been quite unlucky, not only in Portugal, uh, but also in the last race where Kimi Raikun uh, got uh, the penalty and lost uh, his points so the team is if you only see at the points uh, i think on the pure numbers uh, it, it much does not show the whole uh, reality they really had been a little bit unlucky so far yeah and but but um, i think this also probably contributed to the difference uh, between bottas and hamilton because uh, well, lewis hamilton is notoriously good <laughs> in, yeah. instead yeah, of, of using strategically using the safety car to his advantage um even in the kind of early days he was penalized a lot for kind yep. of uh, <laughs> sort of <laughs> using it in in strategically using the safety car in obvious ways so now he is yeah. i think uh, he he has a, a new well he has like experience and skill to use it yep. to his advantage in less obvious ways but essentially yeah i think that that probably also uh, a little bit screwed up the chances for Bottas in in this uh, in this race, mm, and um, yeah, but nevertheless, I think it's um, um, you know it, it's yeah con considering uh, the team standings, yeah, there's no surprise like we said before that Mercedes came out on top, and uh, yeah, we will look a little bit in detail at perform at driver performances. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, in, in here, basically, you can see the time and the progress. Um, and uh, some some of these results are due to penalties like uh, Nikita Mazepin's result is affected by the penalty. Um, but overall, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty close, pretty close drive everywhere, right? So it's it's quite close drive for the first the three drivers anyway so yeah and mm -hmm. it's, it would be interesting to see what happens later in the season when potentially they, they become even closer and yeah this is the overall standing again we have uh, lewis hamilton on top um, uh, Max Verstappen second. Uh, well, he was kind of second in in the first and mm -hmm. third race of the season, and first in Emilia Romagna. 
And uh, yeah, we have um, kind of uh, uh, Bottas kind of stepping, uh, stepping <laughs> into the fourth uh, spot, um, very close to London Norris, who had a very good race last time. And uh, yeah, so we'll see whether the Mercedes would have actually two drivers at the top of the grid at the end of the season. It would mm. be an interesting thing to see. I think one um, uh, one um, uh, thing that is a little bit disappointing, I mean, it's not really, we can't say that about the Portuguese race because in Portuguese race, uh, the second and the fourth place uh, went to Red Bull Honda. But generally, it seems like um, this season Red Bull kind of put all all eggs in one basket yeah. in the sense that <laughs> they really um, work on one car more than on the other. Well, it seems like it. I don't know whether that's true or not, but uh, certainly yeah. uh, I don't think that there is a lot of difference between the driver's skills. But I mean, maybe, maybe there is. Um, but it also seems like that one car is, there is a, uh, this kind of disparity between the two cars, um, to me anyway. Uh, it's a subjective view, of course, but... Yeah, I mean, not. I don't think this comes completely by surprise as uh, Max Verstappen is clearly, uh, for the last years, the candidate to become world champion one mm -hmm. day, so... Uh, and also he's perfectly connected uh, in uh, in the team so that uh, they give him a certain kind of uh, preference uh, preference uh, i don't think it's completely by surprise yeah uh, so but strategically strategically it's strange it's very strange uh, to do even though like yeah i mean in the past we saw this type of strategy when the lead driver kind of gets everything and <laughs> the second driver gets what what is left uh, but yeah. uh, um, obviously i think it's I think it's always a good idea to have uh, both cars in, in kind of good shape and well naturally every team wants to do it uh, but I wonder why there is such a such a big difference um, at least uh, you know of course it's too early in the season to yeah. say that but it seems yeah. that, that, that it's like that. So it would be interesting to kind of see to what extent uh, they well, they recover um, by the end of the season, or whether we really will see evidence that Marx Verstappen is a lot better. <laughs> um, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. As I said, it's quite early. I would assume that uh, that the car is much closer to the Mercedes than still. Um, uh, last uh, year, I mean, some few people even said the car is uh, better than the Mercedes. And I think there will come at least some tracks where the Red Bull should be uh, better suited than uh, the Mercedes. So I, I think uh, Sergio Perez, uh, uh, he will have better results. And uh, at least uh, whom he has to beat is uh, Valtteri uh, Bottas, uh, of course. Uh, and uh, and uh, Lando Norris too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Like I said, I don't think that there is much um, difference in skill. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it seems to me that, that there is really a, like technical uh, technical prioritization going on in, uh, in Red Bull. But I mean, uh, uh, many, many uh, teams have to do it that way because of the budget limitation and resourcing yeah. and like you said there is a huge limitation in testing so you need to probably be quite strategic with uh, potentially putting kind of your lead car first um, in terms of your priorities exactly this will be an interesting uh, point uh, to follow in the next phases yeah definitely mm -hmm. then yeah so so let's look at the race in more detail actually you know in preparation i also found some cool stats on fastest laps so maybe next time i will prepare something on fastest <laughs> laps because that's always 
cool thing to to look yep. at uh, uh, because different drivers i mean there we can actually so like if uh, the season continues to be as boring as it is at the moment <laughs> with i mean with one team dominating and kind of one driver i mean i you know i don't have anything against lewis hamilton i think he's a great driver but like uh, i just pref always prefer to have kind of quite tight tight uh, sort of yeah. uh, competition and so it's always more interesting and having different teams emerged so it's it's not, nothing has nothing to do with, i'm not trying to degrade lewis hamilton's talent but yeah i mean it's always more, i think more interesting to watch uh, races when you have really uh, an intrigue of who is going to win um so so this is what you see in terms of performance of top uh, three drivers uh, so like we said before Lewis Hamilton was first uh, and he's marked red uh, um, uh, yeah Max Verstappen second and Valtteri Bottas third so so in red and and, and green respectively and uh, essentially yeah you can you can see that um uh, so that's kind of the um so this is all kind of relative to lewis hamilton who is uh, who is the first and you can see the deviation <laughs> by other drivers um and um yeah so effectively you can ignore the start of the race because this is where the safety car uh, came out like i yeah. said and so it's not really representative mm, then we have obviously pit stops uh, where you know we have this kind of spikes uh, but essentially yeah you can see that uh, yes it, it seems like uh, all drivers try to use the, the the safety car thing to to their advantage, um, and um, yeah, we saw. But but uh, obviously, uh, Lewis Lewis Hamilton's strategy just looks a lot better than everybody else's because in the end, uh, you know, he had a more leveled um, performance compared to others. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if we go to the next slide, so this is the, so this is just the uh, total times, uh, you know, total, pro total progress of each driver through the, through, through the laps. But if we, if we go to next, um, to next slide, um, yeah, so this is where we see, um, the comparison to the sort of this sort of ideal driver <laughs> so the if we compare them to ideal performance then uh, basically lewis hamilton has a steady growth in performance from lap 37 onwards so, so up to lap 36 uh, 66 sorry that's total 66 laps in portugal um so uh, max verstappen he had a, a little bit um uh, so he basically had a, a pretty good run between lap 36 and lap, uh, lap 63, but then essentially he he lost. Uh, you can say that all, he almost lost at the last minute because like it's only the last uh, three uh, laps that he didn't have a good run compared to Lewis Hamilton. And then if we look at the third driver, Bottas, so he had... Um, uh, a, a, a quite a good improvement uh, from lap 32 to lap 62 but then you know the last kind of five laps 62 63 64 65 and 66 were not so good for him so this is kind of when we compare everyone to the sort of this ideal average driver um, um, with kind of winning speed for each uh, lap uh, and yeah, so that that's what we will see in the stats. Yeah, so so when I understand uh, the statistics correctly, uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton is the one who's um, who has the most steady performance from the beginning uh, to the end. Yeah, so essentially all of them had a had a kind of. Um, uh, uh, um, a steady performance at the beginning right after the safety car then they mm. all had a little bit of a decline uh, but then starting from um, um, laps uh, between kind of 35 and 37 they all had an increase but only Lewis Hamilton had a steady increase 
without yeah. kind of a sharp decline, whereas the other two had a pretty sharp decline towards the end. And uh, I mean, this may be uh, the point uh, where why Hamilton is uh, right at the moment the best uh, driver. He, he uh, can steady um, perform practically from the beginning uh, to the end, while uh, Verstappen and Bottas or also all other uh, drivers uh, a little bit are more bit unsteady. Sometimes have a small problem here and there, but uh, for maybe based on experience, but also. Uh, based on his uh, physical status, uh, Hamilton seems um, the one uh, to be, uh, be able to have the, the most steady performance in all races practically so far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's um, it's quite um, uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it is quite a tricky um, tricky argument because, like, yeah, so kind of they all have have, have ups and downs during the race, to some extent, and the last uh, during the last race, uh, sorry, the 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 previous race in Emilia Romagna, we had Hamilton in second place, so he also had kind of these drops. Yeah. But uh, you you absolutely right there, Patrick, that. But um, if, we, if we look at kind of smoothing the performance, uh, some drivers are a lot better at doing this smoothing than others. And uh, there perhaps is the, the experience part uh, that plays a role. And uh, uh, definitely uh, Lewis Hamilton is one of the most skillful people in smoothing his performance. Um, and kind of not doing kind of stupid, stupid things. But um, again, uh, let's not forget that this is all a team effort, right? And yeah. where you pit the car is normally the, the the team decision. It's not a decision of one person. So um, a lot can can be gambled on, for example, tire change. So remember, like last time we had a, a, a wet condition race in, in Emilia Romagna. And uh, a lot was kind of a lot, a, a, a lot um, in terms of uh, um, kind of reaching the winning strategy was essentially down to which tires yeah. <laughs> people had and when, right? So, so Red Bull essentially first happened, they made really cool decision to switch to dry tires uh, kind of slightly too early so he had this he had this smooth increase constant smooth increase uh, whereas others kind of made this decision a little bit late and it is a gamble right to put your your driver on on on, on dry tires uh, in, even you have a wet, wet condition, condition race. But uh, at that point, it was the correct decision because the rain would have stopped by the time, you know, <laughs> you know they, they've done it. And they've done it at exactly <coughs> perfect time. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, in, in terms of like this race is a lot more leveled uh, in the sense that the conditions were not changing conditions. So there, I guess, uh, yeah, the, the, the skill to smooth your performance is extremely important. And here, like we saw how Hamilton could leverage on that, which is really great. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, so sentiment. So again, uh, we looked at sentiment. Um, um, I don't know, Pat Patrick told me, oh, perhaps you could kind of tell the, the yeah, exactly. everything behind the scenes. Well, I don't know. I think it's kind of boring because like anybody can do it. Uh, <laughs> so this, this, uh, the, the kind of the kitchen behind the sentiment analysis is very simple, especially, so I do it all in Python, uh, and kind of do it from, from scratch and, uh, with my own code, but I think uh, now you have so many uh, tools, uh, to automated tools that will give you exactly the same result. So perhaps uh, instead of kind of me talking talking through the procedure, I can maybe we can do a special where I will show you some of the tools that are available. So even if you are not mm -hmm. really kind of um, co a co coding person or a geek who yeah. will code in Python, you can actually take an automated tool, put uh, stuff through <laughs> it, and you could see uh, like a sentiment barometer and what it shows. 
so essentially this uh, these are all um, pre uh, and post race interviews of drivers and um, um yeah so so um last time um if you remember we had pretty informative uh, friday uh, inter so yeah all all drivers if you haven't watched the previous uh, uh, analytics episode i have to tell that that all drivers give uh, pre uh, pre-race uh, interviews uh, so this uh, pre-race interviews are publicly available um so um, mine i think at what they all taken from associated press but you can uh, all major magazines would have them like uh, i don't know autosport uh, magazine would have them some uh, basically um, like f1 racing would publish them um you can watch uh, I, I don't know whoever who whoever is the provider uh, um that that owns rights in your country at the moment would show these interviews and essentially yeah the the um these interviews are then each interview from each driver uh, from each day <laughs> is put through the sentiment analysis tool so the sentiment analysis tool that i use uh, has um basically is trained based on uh, the google uh, vocab vocabulary it has millions of uh, words uh, and each word is um, basically um, has has some sort of value uh, considering where it historically uh, um, uh, so whether it's historically used in positive negative or neutral sense and um, uh, based on that, uh, you can essentially understand whether the bit of text that you are analyzing is generally uh, positive, negative, or neutral. So for neutral uh, value, we're looking to something close to zero. So last time we had uh, an example of that, but uh, here we don't. As you can see, it's either positive or negative. And um, so all the blue uh so uh, yeah all, all the all the blue numbers basically indicate a negative sentiment all the red numbers indicate positive sentiment like i said neutral is zero close to zero positive um, maximum positive score is 100 and minimum negative score is minus 100 so you can basically tell that you know sometimes people are positive but not too positive like max verstappen for example uh, not as positive as Lewis Hamilton. Um, I think uh, what is so striking about this is uh, the difference between the uh, um, the drivers uh, in in terms. So, the, for example, the top drivers, um, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, they were quite optimistic on Friday and Saturday, but for some reason after the race they um, kind of recapped all their mistakes. And, uh, uh, question, uh, uh, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, if I see Lewis Hamilton as the winner, and uh, then on the after the race minus one hundred, yeah, yeah. So he it was quite a negative, um, uh, quite a negative uh, th uh, sentiment from what yeah. he said because he was saying how things actually like after Friday and Saturday he was kind of uh, saying oh actually it's okay you know it's it's going well despite you know the result is not what I hoped but uh, you know something positive so after the race he really kind of let himself uh, analyze it a little bit more and kind of went through what exactly went wrong for him in um, in qualifying and um, on Friday uh, in Friday race, uh, um, so essentially uh, he, uh, yeah, so so both of them, well, Lewis Hamilton and Max, uh, so Max Verstappen obviously was disappointed with the second <laughs> spot, but Lewis Hamilton kind of provided more of an analytics of, uh, you know, what he, what he, did, basically what he did. I guess uh, next time um, when I do it, uh, I will show the paragraphs so we can also look at them. I think it would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, so definitely, yeah, to kind of show you more sort of what, what, what is going on. Um, and um, yeah, so if you remember last time um, uh, we saw that the, the practice of the Friday practice 
was um, uh, sentiment was very informative in terms of uh, uh, yeah, in, in, in terms of predicting uh, the race uh, outcome. So this time uh, it's actually the Saturday race. So the, the, the more upbeat people were on Saturday, the, the worse <laughs> the results were for them. So, so generally, uh, so, so in fact, yeah, we still see that there is significant um, impact, uh, statistically significant impact of sentiment. Uh, but mostly from from practice, not from the race. So norm, so people have very so drivers have different very different reactions to the race itself. Some of them become more upbeat, uh, you know, s s kind of despite uh, the bad outcome, uh, and others uh, like uh, you know I just uh, give you an example of Lewis Hamilton. So they try to analyze all the mistakes that happened. So like this this happened, and you know. Um, so last time, if you remember what happened to, to uh, there was a collision, right? And the, yeah. the two drivers were quite, <laughs> quite, uh, um, uh, you know, antagonistic towards each other. And it was quite a, quite a big uh, blow for Valtteri Bottas. And he was, <laughs> he was, um, but he was quite positive because it, um, it sort of, um, um, yeah, he was quite, uh, I think, um, happy to walk walk away without <laughs> without a scratch from from what happened. So yeah, so so the sentiment is really quite um, yeah quite a noisy measure, uh, but uh, it is an interesting measure because it is predictive of what is happening. So yeah, we will continue, I guess, to look at this uh, at Friday and Saturday sentiment uh, uh, and the race sentiment and see how it changes. So next time I will show you some examples as well, so such that you could see what exactly is going on. Maybe for the first three drivers, we could look at actual text as well and you can see what what the classifier says also you have to remember that this is uh, an, an automated machine classifier and um, our human opinion might be di might be different from what machine yeah. understands for example um, the machine is really blind to the context so there are some negative terms in context uh, in context of racing that would not be picked up by this type of analysis simply because it's trained based on general English and um, when it's trained uh, on based on general English then you know it's it will be looking for things like oh it was bad like it was bad or uh, it was unfortunate or it didn't, didn't go the way I, I planned. Uh, you know, if, if um, a driver says something like that, then the sentiment analysis would pick it up. But there could be some very specific things that in racing terms is negative and, uh, you know, um, in uh, general English, you know, they, the, the classifier wouldn't know what to do with this. So, for example, if uh, the, the, there was um, an interesting uh, case uh, with overtaking, uh, the, the classifier wouldn't know whether overtaking is a positive, or negative or neutral mm -hmm. word. So it would probably say that it's neutral, but it might be positive or negative dependent on in what context the driver is using this word. Uh, and so, yeah, so there is quite a lot of discrepancy there. But again, like I said, the, the, the qualifying sentiment seems to be predictive of the results. And uh, it would be interesting to see what, whether we can confirm uh, its significance uh, by the end of the season. So we'll see how many races we can actually predict <laughs> with, yep. with uh, prior to race sentiment. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. I guess that's all what we had for today. Yeah, so that's uh, so yeah, that that's Portugal for you, and um, yeah, um, I guess we could look more into um, fastest laps. Uh, like I said, there, there is interesting stats on fastest laps, uh, so mm -hmm. we can certainly look uh, into into those things. 
Yeah, another thing that um, I guess, uh, well, I have to say here, it's mostly my fault, but for the next couple of weeks, I will be out on holiday. <laughs> so I'm hoping that I will be able to have to have one. I'm planning to travel, so I'm not sure how it all will play out. Um, and so uh, I guess the, the May 9th race uh, we will only cover later in... Um, at the end of May for you, but so we will do maybe two two or three races bunched up together. Um, but nevertheless, we will do them. Uh, and I'm hoping that by that time, <laughs> by the time we are at race four or five, we will have a more uh, interesting competition uh, going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and don't worry, the gap will not be that long because we still have some of our uh, normal uh, historic uh, episodes which we will share in the various uh, weeks. Yeah, yeah, so there will not be a gap in the episodes coming coming out. I'm just saying in 2021 yeah. and analytics, uh, will, there will probably be a gap um, of one, one race or so. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will bunch them up together uh, in maybe we will do a couple together instead of uh, each one separately. All right, with that, yeah, you can find yeah. us on all. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, you can find us on all platforms. Th thanks to Patrick and um, thanks a lot for watching. And please do let us know um, what you think um, about uh, uh, the. 2021 analytics episodes um what would you like to see what type of analytics you want to what you want us to do i guess there is a lot of interesting stuff that we kind of didn't look at for yep. example sensors uh, would be would be one cool topic or like i said maybe some other stats like pasta slaps so do let us know what what you'd like to see exactly so if you have any good idea for any statistic uh which we still uh, have to cover, uh, in, including what the drivers are eating the day before the race or mm -hmm. whatever statistic you are interested in, uh, uh, just send us a note or put a comment under the video. Thanks a lot. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.